Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute drowning in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash monthly 5 k If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share Podcast is brought to you by PDAC. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Download the PDAX app now on the Google Play Store, App Store, or Huawei App Gallery. Start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as 50 pesos by signing up on podlink.co slash hustlesharepdax. Also powered by Podmachine. The simplest way to grow and edit your podcast. Sign up now at podmachine.com and use the code HUSTLESHARE to get one free edit. Don't just buy followers. Try to get real followers and engage with them. If you can get a community that's interested in the content you produce and you can you can activate and reactivate those, I think that's typically a very good way to build a solid foundation of consumers for your, for your products. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustler Podcast. We are with one of these startups that are just blowing things away again. Of course, from the wing of our good friends, from Kaya Founders, again, um, this amazing blazing trail, you know, started with Paolo going full-time, Paolo Capos doing full-time in, in uh, Kaya, and they, they invested in, in Paymongo Series B, and now they just raised $1.3 million for this new startup that they're doing. So before I get to anyway, let's welcome the founder and CEO of Armada Rand, Mr. Andreas Hoofnuddle. Andreas, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I hope I didn't butcher you. <laughs> I tried my best, but I hope I didn't butcher your last name the same way. People butcher my last name. Right there. No, you're good. You're good. That's all, all good. I, I'm used to it. You said it very well. Yes. All right. Thank you. All right. Now, before I, uh, again, get carried away, you you guys, congratulations on the latest seed funding. Uh, pre-seed, actually. Pre-seed. $1.3 million. That is just amazing, right? The the, the, the check sizes that the, uh, the new startups in the Philippines are just getting just getting bigger and bigger at, uh, by, de- by default now. But that's not an accident because I'm pretty sure you've had an amazing journey prior to Armada. But before we ask you that, I need to ask you the million-dollar question. 
Andreas, what's your hustle? So uh, thanks, thanks for the question. The, the businesses are model brands. And what we do is we buy e-commerce brands to make them bigger. So what we do essentially, we look for the really, really the hottest e-commerce brands out there okay. uh, that are leading or challenging a certain product space. Then we buy them and we partner up with the founding entrepreneur behind the brand uh, to make it much, much bigger. And we do that by basically growing it aggressively within the whole market. So within the Philippines, and we also want to bring it to the to new, much bigger markets in Southeast Asia as well as the US. Got it. So the reason why I actually found out about you, aside from obviously Paolo, right? It's my wife, my lovely wife, actually has a brand. And they started talking to you guys in Armada, uh, though it didn't pan out yet because I think you guys had a had a very had a had a standard in order for you guys to consider the, the, the acquisition of what you do. It's like wow, that's amazing. But before we even discuss how you guys acquire and help brands out, I need you to buckle up, my man, because we're gonna have to go all the way back and ask you how you started that because we're gonna have to ride. The Hustle Share Time Machine. All right. I hope it wasn't like your uh, flight back from Katiklan because you just literally <laughs> got back from Boracay. But Andreas, what was it like uh, growing up in terms of you hustling? Did you get? Did you have any? influence and again obviously you, you you weren't from here in the philippines but walk me through what was it like growing up in in terms of getting influence and hustling or hard work per se for me i mean in, in reality what really happened is that it was just the wish to have my own business eventually to grow a company and uh, and essentially that wish grew over time i would say yeah got it so if that was the the vision um were, were there any influences towards like you wanted to have a business? Because a lot of the entrepreneurs and Paolo Campos talks about this a lot, right? You know, there's three types according to him in his Esquire uh, uh, article that, you know, um, there's the, the sea turtles. These are the Filipinos that went back and whatnot uh, that, that came back, wanted to do it after being exposed. And obviously, um, again, the expats like you who come in, and wanted to start start a business, whether they tried it somewhere else before or whatnot. But why was business the real direct path? Because lot, not a lot of entrepreneurs start out having to have that view early. Typically, there's a pivotal point in our journey. Like, you know, I don't want to work for anyone. Screw this. I, I want to do my own business because this is what it is. Um, what was that like for you? So, I mean, I would say... Where did this come up for the first time? I mean, I, I, there were entrepreneurs in, in, in my family. Uh, and my dad was a doctor, so he was also in a way self-employed, right? Wow. Um, so seeing that, I think, made me also realize definitely um, that I want to be self-employed eventually as well. Uh, so I think that's just something in me that's, that's there very deep. Uh. Exactly. I ended up going to business school then, so obviously there's a clear link to business. So ultimately, I feel like over time that, that desire to have my, my own company to grow something like that was, 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 was there pretty early on and has been growing ever since. Yeah. Got it. But when you did that, was there a specific sector or, or you know, uh, category that you were trying to uh, go? Because obviously this is e-commerce that you ended up doing now. But back then, was it more generic that I just really wanted to do a business or you were particular already of what type of business you were trying to do? Well, actually, I guess you can say for me, I was always very much a generalist. Yeah? Mm. So I came from I came from high school. I went I went to university to study business, which is general. Yeah? Then from business, I went into consulting, which is general. And then from consulting, I went into private equity, which basically means buying buying companies and, and working with them, making them grow, and then selling them. Right. So everything was always general. So uh, in a certain way, I always kept my options open and um, but over the course of time as the wish to grow my own company uh, uh, was there uh, eventually yeah, this was the time I felt yeah this was the time 
Um, and it just so happened that a friend of mine uh, was living in the Philippines already, already for a couple of years, actually. Okay. Um, and uh, so I visited him a couple of times. Okay. So essentially what happened to me is I loved the Philippines. I really wanted to be in the Philippines. I wanted to have my own business. Yeah? So yeah. I, that's basically the starting point because I was in the situation that, you know, these are the two things that I really want. So how do I make this happen? And essentially what happened is that we were, we're talking and then talking about ventures and what could we do, right? And what could I do specifically given um, what I've done in my, in my past. Yeah? And, and so essentially what we were seeing is, is basically this e-commerce aggregator model in the, in, in the United States being very successful, yeah? um, being basically let's say, the future of, of, of consumer brands, right? And, and so essentially, um, I was thinking, um, this is somehow related to what I do, right? I mean, this is like <laughs> exciting. I was working with consumer brands and then in private equity, we would buy companies uh, and then you work with them to make it grow. Um, and essentially, I was thinking, uh, uh, I could do something like this in the Philippines. And Got it. eventually, now I'm here. <laughs> now, before we, we talk and do a deep dive of how you really founded, um, you know, Armada Brands, especially through, through Kaya Founders, and really taking that full-on leap, uh, just to zero in a little bit on your journey into consulting. Because there's a couple of things about consulting, especially now, you, you mentioned it, that you buy, you know, uh, brands or, and businesses and whatnot. Because... Consulting, technically, you you get thrown into all these business models left and right, and right. And eerily enough, um, Paolo had the same uh, start when he started. He 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 was in BCG, I think, uh, when he started out, right. So a lot of entrepreneurs eventually started consulting, and typically there's a tipping point where they say, you know what, I want to be on the founder side, right? Because if not, you're gonna be a lifer in consulting. <laughs> there's like a, a time limit. If you don't go out, you're stuck there and you're going to be consulting for the rest of your life. But I want to zero in on consulting and what you learned there because I just recently got into a talk because currently I'm in a, I'm in a Insignia Ventures Academy and our, one of our, uh, our speakers lately in one of our sessions said that when he got into startups, he came from private equity and, and consulting per se, Right? He was so dumbfounded of how startups who are losing money day on day, day in, day out, can get so much uh, funding and traction. Wherein back in his consulting days, in, in pri- especially in private equity, like that, it didn't make sense why startups are getting this much funding where they're not even profitable or they're against what you learn or what you're taught in you know, private equity and whatnot. What are those things that you learn in private equity and consulting that eventually will come in handy for Armada that, that you know, uh, that are solidified in you till now? Well, I would say consulting, to be honest, is, is one thing especially, and that is solving problems. Yeah? Mm. Um, and I feel like these problems, very often they're, they're related to, to, to business, yeah? but very often they're also not, right? And you basically deliver, develop a certain methodology, a certain approach, you know, you find the problem and you try to find a solution to it. Yeah? So I think that's exa- essentially the same thing like building a company, yeah? uh, starting up a business. Essentially, what you do is you run from problem to problem. Uh, and ultimately, what you need to do uh, is, is to pick one at a time and solve them. Uh, and, and, and that's what you do. Yeah? <laughs> so that's pretty much In that way, it's very similar. That's true. And again, that's what startups do. You eat problems for a living, <laughs> especially if you're, if you're trying to do. But other than problem solving, were, were there also other soft skills that you also uh, honed during your time in private equity and consulting? Yes, definitely. So I feel like, especially in the, on, the, on the side of private equity, I mean, you spend a lot of time looking into, into businesses. And what you want to assess is, is two things, really. Yeah? What is the value of the business in itself, uh, as it is at the moment? And then maybe even the more important question is, how are you going to increase its value of the asset over time? Yeah? And I think my time in private equity really helped me understand, well, both, yeah? but now relevant, especially the second part, 
because you know when you talk to when you talk how can you grow a business right there's just a couple of things that you can do huh? and this is something that i've been very well aware of you know there's just a couple of things you can add new products you can increase the price you can drive to the market there's a few very specific things yeah and looking into those is basically the same thing what i do now huh? we, we look at a brand and then we see this is what they're doing at the moment yeah so in order for make for us to make it grow huh? what are the things that we really can that we can add to the mix and in that way it's very simple huh? even yeah, though it is a very business for being being e-commerce right got it all right now when you say that again calculating value if you if you don't have metrics that's going to be very very subjective because something valuable can be something invaluable for another business but is there like a common denominator on metrics that you look at across multiple businesses to estimate their value from a from a consultant's point of view or private equity's point of view? Well, generally, from the perspective of an investor, the value of a business is really the cash you can take out of it, bottom line, right? And that's, that's the value. So ultimately, everything you look at will come down to that question. So you're trying to understand how much cash can you take out of it now or, or in the future. Huh? So the way we look at it is, of course, you know, that the biggest indicator is revenue. And the second one is basically profitability because we want to gauge the profit and kind of get a sense of how much of that profit will actually turn into, into cash. And in case of e-commerce businesses, that's uh, often uh, pretty much the same number as a profit. So we will look at that profit and then the valuation of that, of that brand will essentially be a multiple of that, of that profit. Um, uh, and that we would be willing to pay for it. We add inventory on top, and then that's pretty much it. Huh? Um, but of course, you know, you can have a range of valuations um, for some brands, huh? and, and that will be informed by certain metrics. It depends on, you know, what what kind of, what's the power of the brand? Huh? Is it a strong brand would have a good brand story, for example? Um, and then you can see this in a certain amount of following, engagement, likes, comments, interest, um, you can see this in, in popularity, which you see in, in the, you know, three R's, ratings, ratings, reviews. Um, you can also see, for example, in the rate of recurring purchases, uh, recurring customers, this sort of thing. Because ultimately what we're trying to get to is brands where the founder was able to find out about a certain product that really is popular, that's really well-loved, something that people find exciting and love to use and buy, right? Uh, and those are the kind of brands that we're after. That makes sense. So now it comes full circle because if you did this in your past life, it's an easy transition, especially when you cross the, the bridge going to startups and you've done this for so many things, the only difference is that now it's really coming into startups because you're trying to accelerate them further. All right, now let's take our first break. And when we come back, let's now talk about how you made the jump because of your friends and how you eventually came to work on Armada and how you eventually raised $1.3 million in pre-seed funding. But let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. Your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. 
calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate your growth. Submit your pitch to Impact24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at sasschallenge.ph. That's sasschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back. We are still with Andreas again of Armada Brand. So you, prior to the break, you, you talked to, to us about your previous life in private equity and consulting. And by the way, I was just just mentioned these are not just random consultancy gigs. He worked in he worked in a in like the McKinsey and all that. So this is one of the best companies to start your consultancy uh, life as well. But you mentioned that you visited your friend. Or just a random visit or just a vacation. But what made you see the Philippines in a different light where you said, hey, you know what? I I, I love my consulting life. And you had the business at the back of your mind anyway uh, when you started out. And you said you were a generalist. But what made you really take that leap? Because that's always something pivotal for, for, for startup founders to do. Right, and there's always something really heavy for you to take that jump. What was it like? Right, right, yeah. Um, so I mean, obviously, since I have been here, there's one thing. Yeah, uh, I think there's the private, and then there's the professional. Yeah, and obviously, private. And um, I love the Philippines. I love the people. I thought it was always they were most welcoming all the time. So that that that's a private part. Yeah? On the professional side, I felt like looking at the Philippines. Yeah, it was it was one of the fastest growing internet economies already at the time, and that has even accelerated since then, and also due to the pandemic. Um, and so that's one thing. And the other thing is that I, that I realized that if I can come to the Philippines, basically, I could um, be the first one to run the e-commerce aggregator, and then really help these brand founders with their e-commerce shops really take their brands to the next level. Um, so I felt like together that was, that was like there was an opportunity um, where there was also a certain founder opportunity fit because of what I had done previously. Yep. Um, and uh, those two were enough basically to make me uh, take the decision to, to come here. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, how did you start with Armada? Was Armada really like the already, uh, uh, you, you know, the model, obviously the name, I'm not sure if that came along, but who did you have to get in order to start this journey uh, from the get-go? Well, I mean, uh, it, it, it started basically with me quitting my job uh, in Switzerland at the time, uh, and then uh, trying to get to the Philippines first. So that was that was actually it proved to be the first challenge um, because I wanted to uh, go to the Philippines right uh, after they had introduced the travel ban. So ultimately, I ended up being uh, being stuck in Europe for a while before I could actually get to the to, to the Philippines. Um, um, so over time, I was trying. I was sitting in Germany and trying to to get in touch with brands in the Philippines um, uh, before even having been here. Uh, uh, so that was not going to lie. That was a little bit tough, a little bit of a yep. challenge, especially at the time where the you know Equarius ecosystem is so young, and uh, and it was not that easy to get in touch with. Brands. Okay. So ultimately, it very quickly became. Uh, I mean, it was obviously from the start needed that I get somebody um, uh, on, on my team to work with me and to start this business with me who uh, knows the Philippines, who knows who knows the culture and who's very experienced in, in e-commerce. So um, that was, I mean, that was very obvious from the start. So uh, ultimately, uh, I mean, of course, uh, I met a couple of people, but then I was very, very happy to meet Jello. Um, Jello. Jello, my Taurus, my, my co-founder, who is... Uh, uh, not only very experienced from having been with uh, other marketplaces, uh, 
Jellers also an outstanding entrepreneur. Uh, he was an entrepreneur previously, entrepreneur previously already. Yeah, he has been uh, with multiple startups, and he has also built his own e-commerce brand himself, which was actually uh, quite successful, yeah? selling uh, in in six countries worldwide. So it's got to a very high number in sales uh, on a monthly level. Um, and Jell uh, and I basically just clicked from the beginning and. Uh, since then, uh, we really, we really kickstarted uh, kick everything in November, but we really started working together pretty much from the first moment when we, when we had met each other. That's amazing. But so that there, the team, the co-founder Jello and you is, uh, is, is a great tandem. But I'm very curious because again, Kaya Founders is also a, a pivotal, um, a, a big component of what you guys started out. What was that relationship like, and how did you start up with Kaya? Because Obviously, the model of Kaya Founders, for those people who don't know it yet, right? So they're a venture studio, venture builder approach, right? Um, and I, this is, Armada is obviously one of those uh, things. And I think they've also done Craver's Canteen and a lot more, right? But what was it like and how, how did Kaya get to support you guys? Well, actually, uh, Kaya was pretty much a founding investor in, in, in the business. Okay. Um, so, uh, I mean, they're obviously very aware of, of, of global trends uh, in, in the startup world, and, and they had seen the e-commerce aggregator model. Um, so for them, they were also looking at trying to find uh, uh, the right team to get this started. So then we were able to start basically with Kaya Founders as, an, as, a, as a founding investor, and did get our class money from them, and now we also have a very close working relationship uh, um, where there's, there, there's like at least on a weekly basis we talk to each other and of course me still having been in, in Europe it was very good to have these guys Absolutely. on the ground yeah. and Paolo is the king of e-commerce here right so it, it really helps that uh, he, he, he works with you and, and gives you the nuances so you don't have to repeat the same mistakes he probably did when, when he was doing this at least 10 years ago but I, 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 I'm, I'm very interested also in the dynamic. So other than you don't get just get Kaya to get interested in you as a founding investor, uh, even if you have the credentials, right? But did you have what was the process like? Did you guys have to pitch or did they reach out to you? What was that like? Because the reason why I ask you this is there's a lot of people listening to Hustle Share who are in the cusp or probably in your in your life 24 months ago. Like, ah, I want to start doing, becoming an entrepreneur. But there's not quite there yet, but sometimes the, the venture studio model is the first and the best way to actually get started. If this was existing 10 years ago, I would have done this before as well, right? Because it's, it's sort of, it's not going all in because there's resources from the get-go that you can use. Not everybody gets that privilege. So how do you get the... Kaya to to participate and what's it what's that process like? So I mean through a friend I got introduced to Paolo and had the chance to basically discuss uh, the model with him and uh, quite frankly there was a lot of discussions that went back and forth where we discussed everything from you know the size of the opportunity to uh, um, getting the first steps uh, uh, on the ground yeah? and I think that was really the biggest part uh, to discuss how to get it started, how to get the train to leave the station, you know? um, which essentially is how do we get to the brand number one. You know? um, and uh, that was a series of conversations and eventually uh, we agreed uh, on a starting point. And that was it. That is amazing. Then you hit the ground running right away. Uh, now, obviously you have you, you and we have Jello. How did you first start? building so obviously you made some calls you know i'm pretty sure that's difficult during the pandemic and whatnot uh but what what was the first few moves you had to create to get armada uh, up and running so i mean the first part is really trying to find brands uh, brands uh, that are number one interesting for us uh, number two brands that are willing to talk to us uh, <laughs> that is number three uh, actually brands that are willing to say, yes, I want to do a partnership with Amada. Yeah? Um, that was basically that was basically the first challenge. Yeah? Um, and of course, me being in Germany at the time, that wasn't so easy. But essentially, what we had to do is we had to uh, find the right had to find the right way of looking looking for brands. Ultimately, yeah. what we did start started out by by collecting vast amounts of data. 
and then going through the data one by one, link by link, uh, creating a database of interesting brands uh, that we might be interested in, and then approaching these 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 uh, the people behind the brands one by one, and Got hoping it. that they would respond to us. No, absolutely. And again, my wife told me about the process, right, about how Armada can can be. But again. Being interesting as a brand isn't just going to cut it. There has to be some metrics in it too. So when you look for brands, uh, Andreas, what, what are the tenets that you typically look for? Because again, it's not just any random brand. I'm like, oh, okay, I have a brand, whatever, right? Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. have to have the right fit that, that will scale with Armada because the name Armada, obviously, is an army, right? You're, you're, you're trying to make an army of amazing brands here. But... You know, it, it can't be any random brand. It has to be something that fits those criteria that you look for. What are those criteria, though? Right. So, I mean, I would say the first time you look at a brand, it's really outside in. So, you don't have any details of how the financials are going. Huh? Right. Um, and, and, and so, the first step is really what we look for is what is the story behind the brand? Huh? Um, so when they have, for example, an about us section and they talk about how they came up with the product idea and, and this is the purpose behind it and this is why this product is new, uh, that would, for example, be a very, very good starting point. Uh, um, these sort of things. We would then look at, of course, you know, what ratings do they get? How many ratings do they have? It indicates how many purchases they have. On some platforms, you can see, can get an indication for you know, the amount of sales that they have um, and things like that. But ultimately, also going through reviews and, and reading what people have to say, people who bought the product and what they have to say about it um, is a good way of gauging whether that brand is interesting. And that's really just the first step. Huh? Um, if it sounds interesting, if it looks interesting, then we'll basically put it on our list and try to get in touch with uh, with the entrepreneur behind the behind the brand, and then we will start talking to them. And, and that's really the time, and we'll want to start getting uh, the, the, the insights into the into the business. Huh? That's why you put your consulting hat on, technically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is then when we are at for for the info. And I mean, the things you look at there is, of course. What we want to have is the, the whole model of Amada is basically, um, you know, we look at brands where the founder was able to take it from zero to one, yeah. right? And, and we want to have those guys take it from one to 10. So zero to one basically means a product market fit has to be established. And it is usually evident in a certain level of sales. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, we look for that certain minimum level of sales, 500,000 pesos per month. Yeah. Um, 500k or $10,000 more or less MRR. That's it. Exactly. Got it. Uh, per month. Yeah. So really fast up. Next step we look at is it growing? Yes or no? Yeah. Um, then we'll look at, uh, of course, is it profitable? Yeah. Uh, because, you know, it's obviously easy to, to uh, drive up your sales if you spend a lot on advertising, but it kind of has to fit onto the PL. So that's also something that we will look for. And then we'll basically study the entire business um, in, in detail um, to see um, if we think this is something that has potential, if we think this is something where we can help the founder also, um, you know, realize that potential by making the brand grow. Now, at these early stages, obviously, again, it would vary in terms of what it is. Because if, if people are more on the creative side, you're not going to really expect a lot of really neat financials out there, right? And there's going to be some little baby steps that the things uh, that you're going to have to like kind of have to be more lenient on because they're young entrepreneurs, especially if it's their first business, right? But right. other than these metrics, right? Um, you come in, right? You, you, you see the potential. And let's just say they pass this initial eye test, right? Was, is there another layer of, of, of approval that or analysis that you have to see before you pull the trigger? Because after that, then it's all a sprint after that. Because it's zero to one and then one to 10 is a very fast pace. Right. I mean, so in terms of the process, how we do it, right? And the moment we speak to the, uh, the brand owner, so basically, the first touch point, we explain everything to them. We explain basically how the entire model works uh, and we answer any questions they have. We then ask for basically a first split of the data so we get a sense of where the sales are, right? Just roughly. And based on that, we already give them an evaluation. 
So if you're the brand owner and, and, and you talk to us, you basically have one meeting. After that, we exchange a few numbers. And then we can basically use that to give you an indicative valuation. Mm. Very quickly, we can give you your price tag, and you will know you do a deal with a mother brand. This is basically going to be the deal, uh, and, and, and that's what the, the terms will look like. Huh? Um, but after that, what we have to do is basically do a due diligence. Huh? We will try to uh, go into detail about everything. I huh? will try right. to. But one part is the financials. Yeah. Um, in the first step, we basically take the financials they give us. We believe everything they say. And in the second step, we verify that you're the due diligence, right? Got so it. those are kind of the few things that we go through. We look at the, we look at the entire operation setup, uh, uh, from which supplier do they procure? How they, do they bring it to the Philippines? How do they do warehousing and fulfillment? How do they do customer service? So we go through all of that. And then we see, can we make that happen as well? Uh, because are they buying from a supplier or are they doing the production of service? So all these things we go through in the diligence and then we assess and then we already think about how can we handle that uh, most efficiently. And it's very similar on the other side of the, on, on the commercial side. Huh? So there we basically, typically each successful brand owner has a certain playbook that they go through. Yeah? Either they're on the marketplace or they're on their brand.com, right? So they have a way of generating traffic. They have a way of of bringing up the, the conversion rate, uh, they have a way of increasing the average order web, uh, uh, value, all these kinds of things. So uh, we look at that during the due diligence and then we need to understand exactly what were they doing. Because essentially what we want to do is we want to do exactly what they were doing uh, uh, for them and then do it with, with, with more money, right? And, right. and at the same time, add to it in terms of approach, right? So during the diligence, we will assess that kind of playbook they've been, they've been running. And then we want to use our playbook for the same uh, brand, which is going to be a little bit more, you know, complete and and, and elaborate uh, as we go. Got it. So obviously, this is an acquisition play, but more of like, correct me if I'm wrong, more like an acquire, you acquire and you also get the founder on board. Uh, to still do it? Or do you also get rid of the founder uh, as you acquire the brand? Because at the end of the day, nothing can replace the passion of the founder, especially for brands. But you also want to make sure that they're still incentivized to still keep going from one to 10, right? Well, how does that work? Is it more, do you take majority? Uh, this, how, how does the, what are the dynamics like so to, to still incentivize the founder to keep going? Right, that's exactly it. Huh? Um, and, and quite frankly, I realized that also when I came to the Philippines huh, that in, in such a young e-commerce market, you find a lot of interesting brands and they're, and they're growing fast, right? Yeah. Uh, and when you talk to these brand owners, they don't want to sell their business. Yeah? Mm. Uh, at least not 100%. That's alien because that's not, that's not normal outside of startups <laughs> here in the Philippines. That's right. So, so, and when you talk to them, uh, what you realize is that they have a vision for their brand. They're really driven. They want to go places with their brand. Right? They want to grow it. Yeah. And, and then basically, I was, I was uh, wondering, so what could we do for you as a brand owner um, to make a deal with us, a partnership worthwhile? Yeah? And uh, it was very clear yeah, that there's, there's very big growth constraints. Um, and it's really three things. The first one is, is access to capital. Yeah? It's often not there. Yeah. Um, the second one is kind of it's kind of on the side of, of capacity. They don't have the team, the time, the resources. Sometimes it's not even they have another job on the side. Yeah? And so they can they can they can spend time in the warehouse, right? It's kind of time consuming. Yeah? And the next thing really is 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 having having the right capabilities. Yeah? So we as Amada brands, we can hire specialists for performance marketing. For, uh, for, for, for e-commerce management, for, for marketplace channel managers. Yeah? We can hire specialists who have years of experience in that field who can do it for the, for the brand, right? Those are the kind of things that they, that they don't have. Yeah? Um, and uh, so ultimately, uh, that's basically what we, what we can offer them. Yeah? And, and, uh, and, and, and so that's how our model was born, basically, which is we do take majority, yeah? but as opposed to a typical e-commerce aggregator, they would buy 100%. Yeah. Um, but we basically take just a little bit over 50%. We take 51. Yeah. Wow. So, so we basically leave open the biggest possible stake for the brand owner to participate in the brand, yeah? uh, in the brand, in, in the brand success. 
And then ultimately, the idea behind the Mana Brands is really that we say we combine, you know, the creative mastermind, the brand founder, uh, with all the knowledge about the consumer, about the product, with the authenticity of the messaging, yeah? yep. and we combine their 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 creativity with our resourcefulness, yeah? with it. the capital, this team of specialists, the resources, the technology, and and and, and all that. Yeah? Yes, that's amazing. So again, that 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 soul is still intact, and now you have an, an armada at the back. So if they're in, and I would imagine a lot of these brands are not probably incorporated yet. You're gonna have to go through those little whole loops and whatnot, of course. Because what what are, what is Delta share? I mean, what what are, what is Delta sell if they don't have shares? In fact, so you're probably gonna have to incorporate them. But once all these uh you know uh, legal stuff is done, then we're on. What does the brand specifically get once they're in? You mentioned already all these people, this hiring, but what's in the artillery of the, the Armada that, okay, we're here, we're selling a little bit of majority, but man, I have an army. Because it's just a lot of brands, uh, brand owners also listen to, to Hustle Share. And it's like, oh my God, I didn't know that I can get to them. Because you're right, if you're as a small brand owner, you're, they're probably... There's only so much you can do as a founder to do the zero to one. Probably you can get it to five. Similar to how startups are here. If you're going to bootstrap, you can probably get it and you know amazingly to a certain point. But at a certain point, you're going to have to take resources to really scale. That's right. What does scale look like in the point of view or model? What's up, the, what's up for grabs once they partner with you? All right, so let me just um, start a little bit earlier there because I want to basically, for the sake of completeness, uh, I want to mention okay. that if they do a partnership deal with us, uh, essentially as a brand founder, what they get, first of all, they get a payout, and that payout will go directly into their pocket. Uh, nice. um, but for selling... Mini exit a little bit, right. To a certain extent. Uh, um, so that's the first step. The second step really is that we put sizable amounts of capital into them. Uh, nice. So we would look at, for example, what amount of what amount of, of, of sales that they have the previous year, what kind of cost did that produce? And then we put we put a sizable amount of that into the company, which it can use basically from the start. Uh, this is really just a starting point. Uh, and then the, uh, the brand can use that, you know, to to whatever it needs to add new products to the assortment to uh, increase ad spend, to develop an entirely new product, yeah? to go to new channels, to go to new countries, whatever needed, that money will be available for them. Yeah? That's the second part. Um, and the third part really is that we get uh, our hands, uh, we roll our sleeves up and get our hands dirty. So we work together with them on the day to day. Huh? So we're not just, just an investor or anything like that. We're an operator really, um, yes. by which we will essentially um, work with the brand directly together. Yeah? Um, the brand founder will essentially be turned into the brand CEO. Yeah? And, and then we will be their toolbox, yeah? which means on the side of operations, we handle everything from them. From taking the product out of the factory in China to bringing it to the Philippines, to handling fulfillment, warehousing and fulfillment, to all the way to customer service. Wow. Um, so that they basically don't have to worry about any of these things. Yeah? Um, that's on the side of the operations. On the side of commercial, we will have a brand manager that will be working to, to, together directly with the brand and uh, uh, liaising with the specialists on our side, yeah? from, from e-commerce management to performance marketing to producing creatives uh, to uh, UI, UX design, uh, social media marketing, email marketing, whatever's needed. Yeah? So on the commercial side, basically, um, we can, we, can, we can develop whatever's needed. And the idea behind all of this is really we free up the time of the of, of, of the brand founder, so they can focus on what they like and what they do best. Typically, that's developing the right products um, for the market and, and, and doing strategy, you know, uh, doing the messaging and branding, but they can be on the side of strategy and we can be on the side of execution. Got it, that's amazing. So now you really have a whole armada with you, but okay, this is super exciting, but. Can you give me an example of the brands that you've already helped at this point? To just and how you pretty much helped them from go from one to ten. So uh, we are very much at the beginning, uh, which means we basically just collected the money in January, and 
got the first brand uh, in February, uh, and now we're doing the next uh, the next partnership deal uh, uh, in the next couple of, of days. Um, so the first brand that we're working with is basically a, a woman handbag brand. Yeah? Um, and uh, behind it is a Filipina mom who uh, is, 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 is living in Australia uh, okay. with a family, a uh, very driven entrepreneur uh, and, and, and super high energy. And she's been building a couple of brands uh, and selling her products. Yeah. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna do basically we, we, we started setting up the operations in such a way that we can handle them at such a scale that no matter how what order volume is coming in every day, we're we're able to to, to handle the full peak demand. Yeah? So on the operation side, that's the first step that we set this up. And the next step is especially on the commercial side to really kickstart on the ad spend. So here, um, what we're basically doing is is doing a first strong initiative in a set of performance marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as well as uh, adding new products to the soil. Yeah? Um, then one of the next few steps that we plan to take is to see if we can take the brand to Amazon US. Yeah? Wow. Uh, we have our entity in the US up and running, and uh, the idea will be we'll, we'll find a local uh, local partner for, for warehousing and fulfillment, and then uh, we would like to run the brand on, on Amazon US um, from the Philippines to, uh, you know, multiply the significantly. That is amazing. So now we know what's going to take when somebody works with Armada with their brand. Now let's take our last break. And when we come back, we will be talking about how you then raise $1.3 million and pay it forward to those people who are uh, entrepreneurs, again, who are into creating their brands and also learn from Andreas right here. Let's talk about that more after the break. Hey Hustlers, it's time to talk business once again And we're excited to share a bit more info About our sponsors, Sprout Solutions And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode You should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter As you grow your own startup Because this bundle that they have Is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level As you grow your employees And this bundle is your key to freedom Including payroll outsourcing to experts A subscription to timekeeping and attendance software And government compliance services Sprout's Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll and HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions for liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey Hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoostTimeDeposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. 
Hey hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023 and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor Dragon Pay is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. DragonPay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit DragonPay is. Dragon Pay was named Fintech of the Year at last year's Philippine Fintech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay. And we're back from the break. We are still with Andreas again of Armada, who then told us how big the Armada is and how gigantic this could be. But again, you cannot be going out looking for brands and uh, technically partnering with them or acquiring them if you don't have a, a little Armada yourself. right? And let's talk about you know, the, the $1.3 million that you just recently acquired or recently raised for pre-seed. What was that process like because again um at pre-seed it's very hard to get support like that and especially a fund like that or a round like that with with pretty much at the stage a lot of a lot of a lot of startups here in the philippines don't even get to see uh that at at a seed or even at series a even but how did you guys convince the right investors to jump in uh, other than Kaya, to, to then really buy into the vision of, of really um, kickstarting all these brands that are you're going to be supporting. Well, I mean, ultimately, it's the same the same way you look for brands. Uh, you look for investors, right? Uh, it's 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 there's a certain funnel logic to it. It's a numbers game, right? You speak to enough uh, enough investors, and ultimately, you're going to find somebody who's interested um, in in the investment. Huh? I think so. That's essentially what, what, what I did as well. Huh? Ultimately, I reached out to 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 investor after investor uh, and started to get conversations going. Yeah? Um, quite honestly, in the beginning, that does feel a little bit funny. Right? You produce your deck, you produce your talking point points, and then and then you go into these meetings. Um, and it's a little bit inconvenient in the beginning, yeah? but you, you you get better over time. Um, and you you basically start also to to define you know. How you want to take the next steps? Uh, what is the right? What is the right team? What, what are the right profiles? How do you, what are the right brands coming from these questions? These questions coming from the investors. You also start thinking about things, and ultimately these conversations get better. The investors get more interested, um, and uh, ultimately what happens is, is, is somebody jumps on board and says they want to they want to invest. Uh, um, and uh, that's that's an amazing moment, actually. Yes. Uh, and, and, <laughs> that's that's pretty incredible. Um, and uh, then you keep going. Huh? Uh, in this case, uh, you know the second investor is easier than the first one. It's really the first one that you have to get to. Huh? Um, and ultimately, and ultimately, I just kept going. Huh? Uh, and what was really nice is that. Um, that uh, ultimately, I was trying to raise to raise a million, and ultimately, the, the the interest from the investors grew and grew and grew, and then we were able to to get commitments um, worth more. So I was I was increasing the round, and then even at some point, I had to really uh, say uh, I stop here at this point uh, because I didn't want to want to collect more. Uh, um, but uh, that was super exciting actually to be in that situation um, where the investors are disinterested. Uh, That's amazing. Then, I mean, I would have to say that, of course, this 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 model of the e-commerce aggregator is very success, successful uh, in the U.S. in in, in Europe, uh, and it was at the time, and, and certainly that helped as well, of course, as well as kind of founders. Uh, those guys really helped 
you know, make interest to investors, help me, you know, develop my thinking around the model and, and all these kinds of things, then certainly uh, help, the, help the ton as well. Right. Now, again, that, that's great. But if you're going to give a advice, especially in pre-seed, because again, typically when, when, when uh, founders or, or, or investors look at it, it's usually the three T's, right? Team, TAM, Traction. And at pre-seed, it's mostly team uh, and TAM. Traction, that's not quite there yet. How, what, what's what's going to be your tip for startup founders also who are raising pre-seed? Who only has team and TAM or total addressable market uh, to look at? Because again, a lot of people will probably, or a lot, some startups, depending on the vertical that they're in, will not have the same enthusiasm for investors, right? But if you get the right messaging and the right approach to it, there might be a good chance that you also get the same success that you guys did. Right. Um... Right, so I mean, I've also done it for the first time, right? So, so I mean, uh, I, I don't have that much experience with it, uh, but in our case, it was really the same situation. Um, yeah. and I mean, even in the team, um, we weren't really that far yet. Um, we basically, just had uh, started the conversations um, with uh, with my co-founder. I was not even in the in, in, in the Philippines yet, um, so it was actually a, a quite difficult situation, right? Because investors would ask me, "Where are you?" And then I said, "I'm in Germany." Um, and in terms of the traction, well, you you can buy a brand without having money, right? Uh, really, in the first place. So um, we also didn't really have that. So in the end, what you have to sell really is just a plan. Really, just an idea. Um, but what you can explain is, you know, this is this is the next step. Yeah? So for us, that was the pipeline of brands that we have. Yeah? This is the amount of, of the number of brands that we spoke to. These brands are interested. Uh, at the time, we had three brands that were interested in doing a deal with us, yeah? and then we're basically talking about so we want to make a deal with these brands, and then we explain how we would grow them, and we would basically tell the story, and eventually. Investors started to say, okay, this could potentially work out. <laughs> that is amazing. And again, also, it, it doesn't hurt that you are also in a very, very stable in terms of startups, uh, a startup of verticals, right? E-commerce is, has been a, a sunrise ever, uh, industry for a very long time. You've seen the winners and how it's, uh, e-commerce has been matured in Southeast Asia and also across the world. Now, let's now talk about how you then help brands. Because again, uh, the, the, the first challenge that you also had to go through is that if brands even um, willing to be talked, willing to talk to you or even consider selling their businesses. But there are also another uh, type of brand or type of brands that are out there that are not quite there yet. But what if they're listening now to this or they have friends that are listening to now but wants to get there uh, say in a couple months, what would be your advice for those brands who would be like eligible soon? Because I'm pretty sure you've talked to brands that are not quite there yet. Uh, how do you keep them within your radar and monitor them and probably give them tips of advice to get to, the, to that level where they're eligible to be uh, armada per se? Yeah, I mean, I would say the number one cause really the problem. Yeah. Um, if you have a strong product, um, that speaks for itself. If people love the product, um, then uh, you know that that's going to be a, a wonderful brand, no matter what the size is. Eventually, yeah. Um, apart from that, yeah, um, something that we really like to see is: Are you able to build a community? Yeah. Don't just buy followers. Try to get real followers. And engage with them. Now, if you can get a community that likes, that, that's interested in the content you produce, um, and, and you can you can activate and reactivate those, uh, I think that's typically a very good way to build a solid foundation of of, of consumers for your for your products. Um, and apart from that, I would say also think about it in the way like as in a playbook. Uh, be methodological. Um, you have to understand. You do one thing, it leads to another. And this relationship, you have to understand well. Um, there will be oftentimes things that you will try and they will not work. Okay, that's fine. Move on to the next one. But eventually get to the point where you're very clear on your playbook. And then ultimately, when you know the input-output relationship, then focus on those pieces. And that should be enough to get you over the threshold. And then we are ready to talk. 
That is amazing. All right. Now, again, uh, before we let you go, um, invite people over, uh, Andreas. And, and, and what, what's, what should we look out for? Because obviously you raised um, uh, you know, uh, a lot of money to help more brands. But this is just a start. Just a pre-seed, you already have this. We can't wait to see. What should we look out for in, for Armada in the next coming months or probably the next uh, years per se? So what we uh, want to be is the consumer brand house of the future. And ultimately, we want to do deal after deal after deal with uh, exciting brands and visionary brand owners. Huh? So we look at it this way. The brands of the future, they're not being created by the big corporates. They're being, oh. it's like a grassroots movement. There are all these entrepreneurs out there and they have these incredible product ideas. And they're able to, to tell a compelling brand story around it, right? And this is also who the people want to buy from. Yeah? And we're going to be looking to, to buy uh, those kinds of brands. So ultimately, by the, by the end of the year, we want to get to a point of, of, of uh, 10 to 15 brands that we have uh, uh, invested in by the end of the year. Um, and uh, grow those brands uh, by at least 10x within the first uh, year, if not, if not less. That is super amazing, Andrea. But before I let you go, if they want to be in talks with you and somebody who, who listened to Hustle Shares now considering to work with you and you know work uh, bring their brand to the next level, where do they go and how do they do that? Okay, so yeah, uh, please anybody reach out to uh, reach out to me. I'm more than happy to, to to learn more about your story, to learn more about your brand. Very excited actually. Um, and if it doesn't work now, maybe it will work later. So please do reach out at uh, Andreas at amada brandscom There you go again. Thank you very much, Andreas. So before I let you go, follow us in whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other of your favorite podcast app. And if we did see some jargon, it's going to be the show notes on HustleShare.com. And if you are very interested to be part of our little community as well, it's going to be the HustleShare community on Facebook. Again, Andreas, thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. All right. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.